So guys, I want to, I want to, I want to talk about to disagree. How did, what does that look like to disagree with, with one another? Cause we're, we're living in a polarized world where you're on one side of the fence or the other, and there's no in between. Like how are we as leaders, as pastors, as followers of Jesus called to disagree with people? Because that's going to happen, right? What does that look like? How should that look? What should that look like? It's a great question because we, our culture has adopted this mindset. If you do not believe exactly like I believe on any given issue, then you hate me. Mm-hmm. And I don't hate you. I have a different worldview than you. Mm-hmm. And I think one way we model that in the church is there's a lot of disagreements in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I joke, I talked about Acts 6 earlier. It's the early church, and it says there arose a complaint in Acts 6, verse 1. I said, that's how you know it's a church. A complaint arose, right? <laughs> and uh, But think about all the complaints that we have in church. Well, how do we handle those with our brothers and sisters? I think we handle those with grace and truth. We devote our things to mm-hmm. uh, the Word and prayer, and we walk through those things where we say, hey, we may not see eye to eye on this. We may not come to a resolution, but it doesn't change how I feel about you and how I treat you. And if we take that step with those that we are connected to, I think that models for our people how we disagree with people in the outside world. I'm not committed to a donkey or an elephant. I'm committed to a lamb. Mm-hmm. And the lamb says that we go into the world and preach the gospel. So there's a bigger thing uh, that I agree on, that I agree on with these people, that we need the world to agree on. And I think the way we handle that in the culture is that we have to sacrificially love people. Mm-hmm. They need to know mm-hmm. above all that we care about them. They may not live the lifestyle that we prefer they live or we know is the truth, but we love them despite that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe your mom, I'm from Alabama, my mom said, you kill them with kindness. And I really mm-hmm. believe that. That's how you, you just love people so much that they can't hate you. And here's the most important thing. It's really hard to hate someone or even disagree with someone that you're praying for. Right. Mm. If you're praying for them, I think you'll see them through a different lens. Mm. That's awesome. Um, one statement that's helped me so much with disagreement and uh, Tony Marita, I think it was in a seminar with him at Southeastern. He said, uh, true humility means that you ha- involves dropping your right to be offended by mm. anything. He said, the gospel demands that you drop your right to be offended. And man, in every disagreement, that has just been so valuable because oftentimes our, us holding on to the right to be offended will do a couple things. It'll, it'll either make us avoid a conversation because like, I'm offended by this and I don't want to talk to you and I don't like confrontation, you know, or it'll make us go into confrontation with a defensive spirit. You know, we can't control how the other person, I mean, they may be like white knuckled around this issue. We can control how we come in. And usually like, it's like that proverb, a soft word turns away wrath. And man, just whether it's church stuff, like in, within the church, whether you're changing something that's a sacred cow, man, just listen. I had an hour and a half conversation um, on the phone in the Chipotle. I was wanting to get dinner, and I was in the Chipotle parking lot with a, a lady who had heard a rumor about us changing something, and I just wanted to listen. And she came in hot on this, and, um, and but at the end of that conversation, I dropped my right to be offended, wanted to learn, and she closed and said, man, she said, I said thank you for this time. I know your heart better. I appreciate your heart, and whatever whatever you decide, I'm supportive. And it all started with dropping my right to be offended. Well, you know, connecting these ideas to our earlier discussion, you know, talk about being cut to the heart. It's as leaders, I think it's important to model it. And so, uh, these are not leadership principles that I learned, at least in my education. For pastors, it was a different style of leadership. Mm. Um, uh, but you know, 
allowing the people that I'm shepherding to speak into the decision-making process and own the fact sometimes yeah. I really wanted this, but you know what? Y'all are right. Mm-hmm. And being able to lay it down, they have to see that. Yeah. And I think that because I can, by doing that, I'm communicating what's most important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the mission. It's not my preferences. It's not my, and so um, I have to do that fairly quick as an interim when I'm coming in mm-hmm. and saying, I give a lot of opinions, a lot of, from an outside perspective, but I ultimately have to say, you're an autonomous church. Where do y'all see yourselves? Where do you want to go? Yeah. I may disagree with what you're wanting to do, but I love you. I'll serve you. I'll come alongside you uh, because it's more important that uh, you, may, you you probably are right. You know your context better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that humility has to be demonstrated in leadership mm-hmm. um, because people have to know how to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think about a principle that I've always tried to live by is this idea of I, I, I can't I don't have the right to disagree with anybody until I first understand mm-hmm. their side of the table or their argument their 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 worldview yeah. you know but but we don't do that we we've all kind of touched on the, the topic of, of listening but but man we we're not yeah. we're, we're we our our heels are driven in unfortunately. No one wants to know what you know until they know that you care about them. Mm. I'm an established church. My predecessor was there for 30 years. Mm. His predecessor was there for 18 years. Wow. The church is only 60-some-odd years old. They hired me at 28. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking, but they did. And people said, well, how are you going to make changes here? And I said, how does a cruise ship turn? Very slowly and meticulously. You have to know what you're doing. You have to have a strategy. And I think one way to avoid disagreement is over-communicate with your people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can say I have learned that uh, the hard way sometimes in my context. But over-communicating goes a really long way. And even avoiding disagreement or when someone disagrees, they can say, I know you're hard on this. Now let's talk yeah, through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So much people want to be understood. Yes. And, and I think yeah. we live in a – everything's changing, right? Why do churches not want to change? I think it's because it's the one variable in your life that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Everything else changes around you, but church stays the same. And then a 28-year-old pastor comes in, yeah. and some things change. Uh-huh. And then you say, no, 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 everything else changes, but I want this to stay the same. And I think being heard, and we need to resonate with that. I understand that this is difficult. Now, this is why we're doing these things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we have to empathize with people because it is hard to change. We know that. Yeah, yeah. And something that you, you hear in established churches is like the rumblings when people get rumors or winds of something, you get the, the they want to send it up the rumor mill that, well, if they do this, I'm leaving, or I'm going to stop oh, giving, yeah. or I'm just going to go to Sunday school. And usually the way I've, I've seen that handled is either people like um, just avoid that and they keep things the same so they don't lose the giving base, or they handle it just like a bull in a china shop. Mm. And I've been just wrestling through it, like asking, like, where does that come from? And what I've feel like is the case is that people go there when they feel like they don't have a voice mm-hmm. and because of maybe a different way of leading in a different time yeah. like the pastor was on a pedestal and people feel like they're pushing a corner and we got to we got to we got to step step into their corner yeah and um give them a voice and you know i don't i don't think they'll they'll leave if they're understood and we yeah. know that they they're about and they know they're valued mm-hmm.